eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. I'm Garrett, joined beside my man, Pernay. Pernay, what's up, man? How are you doing today? What's up? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. I was thinking earlier today, dude, there's been a lot of changes go on since we last spoke. Uh, you know, there there's coaching jobs across the landscape of college basketball that we knew Will Wade at LSU was coming, obviously. And then you have um, South Carolina open up. You have SMU open up. And then the one who really hit us in, in this neck of the woods, the hardest was the Kansas State job that opened up. And, you know, they, they come in, the Wildcats, and they give their pitch to Jerome Tang, Baylor associate head coach, and Scott Drew's right-hand man over the past 19 seasons. Uh, this is the something we've seen in the past where different schools come in. Um, they want Tang. Obviously, he is tremendous at what he does, and he would make a great head coach, but the jobs just were never right. Um, but the Wildcats come in, they make an offer, and he really, whatever for whatever reason, this perfectly aligned for him and his family, and you know he was able to take that job and leave Waco for Manhattan. I'm extremely happy for the man. Um, I, you know, he's tremendous human being, um, and I know he's going to do great things with the Wildcats, but... When you look at him and you look at the duo between Tang and Drew and just everybody in general, what are your overall thoughts of, of Coach Tang in general and then as a head coach and getting this opportunity? I think Coach Tang is a, is a great head coach for Kansas State. I think he's going to bring over some of the culture that has developed at Baylor under Scott Drew. He also has head coaching experience, not at the college level, but he built a great program at the high school level for 10 years, won four state championships in Texas before he came to Baylor. And he's been with Scott Drew through this entire process, coming back from the scandal that hit Baylor in 03. And Tang has been Drew's right-hand man for a long time. I think that he's going to be great at Kansas State. He's going to help them succeed both on the court and off the court i've seen a couple of his videos on twitter and he just he seems like a guy who's going to help the players develop as people and also develop them into winners he said that you have to wake up every day as a winner which i think is important if kansas state wants to start winning more games bruce weaver was a good coach for them he took him to the elite eight once they won a couple of big 12 championships and i think that tang can continue to that continue that success 
and help them even get better than they were under Weaver. Oh, no doubt, man. And I think even, you know, going before that, when you look at Frank Martin, you know, there and the runs that he was able to put together with that Kansas State program, you've coaches have, have laid out the blueprint up there that you can win, right? Like, it's going to be difficult. You're obviously, I think you're like 30 minutes away from Lawrence and the juggernaut that is Kansas Jayhawks basketball. Uh, but at the same time, they have their own established culture in Manhattan. And I think Tame's going to be a perfect fit. I think he's Right now, the biggest concern, if you were a Baylor fan, besides losing him, was is he going to take any of these other members of the staff with him? You know, to, to to build up there. Right now, he hasn't made that move. I know he's gone and got the guy from Texas um, that was Chris Beard's leading recruiter and brought him up there. So that was a great move as well. But you know, this is to me, it's even bigger than Coach Tang, right? Like when we look at. Coach Drew and what he's been able to establish, and obviously Tang was right there with him for 19 years, but we're starting to see Coach Drew's, his his coaching tree branch out a little bit, right? Like, you have Paul Mills go up, uh, he has great success at Oral Roberts, he gets them into the tournament, uh, I believe it was year, last year or the year before that, um, Grant McCaslin goes up to North Texas and he does a tremendous job with the Mean Green, and you know, ironically for McCaslin, the SMU job becomes available and just the work he's put in there has made him the leading candidate. So, you know, when this first began and the struggles of Baylor, you couldn't get recruits to come here and everything else. What does it say to the the consistency, the, the perseverance for Coach Drew to be able to have not only sustained success at Baylor, but to have coaches learn from you and go on and have success at other programs? I think it shows how good Coach Drew is at hiring assistants and developing them and hiring people who are going to fit the system and fit the culture at Baylor and then who go on to succeed at other programs. I think that's one of the most important skills for a head coach to have is hiring a good staff under him. And Scott Drew has been fantastic at that. And that also means that we shouldn't be too worried about who he's going to hire to replace Coach Tang. I think he'll do a great job at picking another person, and I think Baylor will be fine down the line. Oh, no doubt, man. I, and, you know, and on top of that, Drew's definitely going to be the one that eyeballs it, but it's going to have to have the okay from Mac Rhodes and Linda Livingstone. And I think that duo right there has proven that hiring is – just second nature to them. They, they have really knocked it out of the park with any of the hirings they've made across the board in Baylor athletics. The, the unfortunate thing about this for me is I don't think coach drew. I know coach drew probably knew the writing was on the wall. Like he do eventually coach Tang's day was come, you know, and, and he would find the right job, but I don't think necessarily that heading into that game with North Carolina, that was on either one of their minds. You know, I, I think that, you especially when you get into that game and you get down the way you did and one thing that was really glaring to me was Matthew Meyer picked up his uh it was I believe it was his fourth or fifth foul and he was just really frustrated like it definitely got to him mentally um and he started to kind of like act out and he wanted to just walk to the to the bench real quick coach Tang was the first one told him you know hey Get your composure, turn around, and go handle your business. It's the little things like that that I think Scott Drew was really going to miss. But as a whole, that game, I don't think either one of them expected it to be their last one. And when the way it ended was a little sour, uh, what are your thoughts on that that matchup and how unfortunate it was at the same time 
they made history, you know, making the 25 point comeback. But how unfortunate was that, that that happened to be the last time that duo stepped on the court together? Yeah, I don't think any coach or, or group of coaches goes into a game expecting it to be their last game together. Um, and it was very unfortunate for Baylor to have that be their last game. But it was a tough matchup. It was hard to guard Baycott inside, and then UNC's guards just went off. So it was it was difficult. And it stinks that we won't be able to see Coach Tang in a Baylor uniform probably ever again. But he he's done a lot of great things at Baylor, and he's helped us win a national championship. So it's a lot of lot of uh, great past for him, and good luck to him in the future. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, and that that's mixed emotions, right? If you're a Baylor fan, if you're a Big 12 fan in general, you obviously wanted to be playing in the Sweet 16, which gets underway tonight and uh, heads into tomorrow. But the Big 12 still has three representatives alive. And, you know, I think when you look at Texas Tech, uh, they got a tough draw tonight with Duke. But I think that's a team that we kind of looked at and said, okay, Tech should be there. They should be in this moment. They should make a run to the Elite Eight. Um, and as far as Kansas goes, on the other side of the bracket, I feel like once Iowa lost in that first round, that really kind of opened things up for the Jayhawks. It gave them one of the easiest paths to the Final Four. Um, and they just continue to handle their business. And then on the other hand, you have Iowa State, right? Like this is a team who had two wins last year. And you come in and you find yourself in the Sweet 16. Oh, and by the way, you draw Miami, who I don't think anybody really saw in this matchup. What are your overall thoughts of what the Big 12 has been able to do so far in the dance? And when you look at these matchups that are going to take place tonight and tomorrow regarding the Big 12 teams, which ones stick out to you the most? I think that what the Big 12 has been able to do, not just get three teams in the Sweet 16, but also have TCU take Arizona into overtime and probably should have won that game. It just shows that the Big 12 is the best conference and has been the best conference this entire season. It shows how tough the conference was and how great of an accomplishment it was that Baylor was able to repeat as conference champions. Um, And then looking at these three Sweet 16 games for Big 12 teams, I think that, that Kansas has the easiest matchup. Providence is a very veteran team. They do a lot of things well. They they stay composed under pressure. I think they've won. They're like top five and having won the most close games this season. They play a lot of games close and, and they win most of them. But I think that Kansas has the advantage here because they're just more talented. They're more athletic. And they also have a great coach in Bill Self. So I think Kansas is going to win that game. It might be close, but they'll win. I think the other two teams have very tough matchups. Texas Tech obviously is playing Duke, who, speaking of coaches who might be in their last game, Coach K, this could be his last game ever. And he's going for his 100th win. Obviously, the players aren't trying to think of that because this is also probably their last season, especially Paolo Banchero, maybe the other starters. Um, Texas Tech is an incredible defensive team. They're the best defensive team in the country. They do a lot of things well. They create turnovers. They're great at providing pressure and and duke is a lot less experienced than them texas tech has kevin o'banner i think duke will be able to overcome that and win the game oh no doubt it, it, look, I, I, that one's a tricky one man i i feel like tech could easily i'm not gonna say easily but i like their athleticism against this duke team i think it's arguably going to be one of the 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 best games of the night and possibly one of the best games of the sweet 16 in general and man while baylor might not be in the dance 
another championship Baylor team is going to be back in action. Uh, Coach Aranda and the Bears began spring practice this week. We're going to get into that next here in segment two. You're listening to the Bears Illustrated podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated podcast. I'm Garrett. He's Pernay. And Pernay, we mentioned it there uh, at the end of the last segment. Baylor football gets underway. Um, you know, and I think when we look at last season, it was really remarkable what the Bears were able to accomplish. You go 12 and 2, uh, your Big 12 champions on a one hell of a defensive stand there at the goal line. And then you go ahead and take that momentum without your starting quarterback into uh, the Sugar Bowl and you take care of Ole Miss and you head into this season starting out as the number five team in the nation. Man, if I would have told you last year, Pernay, next season, Baylor's going to begin the season number five in the nation, what would you have thought? I would have been like, you're crazy. I could see them being maybe number 25, but five, that that's insane. It really is. You know, and, and look, there's obviously going to be talk around the quarterback position. Um, Gary Bohannon was phenomenal last year. He threw for over 2,000 yards. Um, and, but unfortunately, he nicks up that hamstring against Kansas State, uh, which kind of derails him for the last part of the season. We see Blake Shapin step in and uh, go ahead and carry Baylor into that victory. When you look at this quarterback battle, obviously you want to give everybody a chance. But when we when Baylor takes the field, Dame one against Albany, who's going to be the starting quarterback in your opinion? I think that Blake Shapin will be a starting quarterback. Really? I think that. Yeah, I do. It's a it's a hot take kind of, but I really think that he he's a little bit better of a quarterback than Jerry because I think he's just more accurate and he's I think he's got a better arm. Jerry was very good last year with his legs, and he made some plays with his arm, but he he wasn't consistent with his accuracy, and I think that's where Shapen beats him. Um, and I think because of that, even though he has to he has to win the job because Jerry's coming into this as a starter, but it is an open battle, and I think Shapen will, I think Shapen will take the battle. You know, you're the second person that has said that to me. Uh, Josh Neighbors from the Big Twelve, uh, Locked On Big Twelve podcast. Hey, that was his same opinion the other day when I was talking with him. And you know, really? I, yeah. And for me, 
I think I, I think Gary gets it done and starts ends up being the starter, but he's definitely got to work on his accuracy. And it's it's not necessarily the the slants and the short balls. It's the the long pass, right? It, there were so many times last year, um, and he would also lock on to receivers. He he did a uh, he got better as the year progressed about going through his his uh, route tree. But there was a lot of times where. It's I'm throwing a Taekwon. I'm throwing a Taekwon, no matter what, you know. And then definitely Ben mm-hmm. Sims and, and Drake Dabney helped alleviate some of that. That's to me is one of the key portions is having those type of tight ends, you know, in this system. I think that's beneficial. But you know, one of the other positions that you look at coming into this is the running backs. And last year we saw Abram Smith come over. He tra- he he transitions from linebacker into running back. And this year, it's kind of an open battle. And one of the unique aspects is Josh Fleeks is is making the transition from wide receiver to running back. What are your overall impressions of the the running back group? I mean, you got Tay McWilliams, uh, you have Jordan Jenkins, the kid from Lindell, but you don't really have one returning starter. Does that give you any concerns at all? So it would give me concerns if it weren't for the fact that Baylor's getting four of their five starting offensive linemen back, and that was a big reason for the running success last year. Um, I think that the run game will be good because of that offensive line and because there's still a lot of talent in the running back room. A lot of these guys are four-star recruits. They have some experience. I think if we're going to compare it to last year when we had Abram Smith as the pounder and then Tristan Ebner as the as the secondary running back also catching passes out of the backfield. I feel like Tay McWilliams is going to take that Abram Smith role because he has a lot of those those skills. Um, and actually, Tim mentioned that in one of the articles he wrote. And then I think it's going to be a battle between Josh Fleeks and Squirrel Williams for that Tristan Ebner role. And because Josh Fleeks has that receiving experience, he might win that job. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you remember last year, Fleeks, they, they threw Fleeks in um, like in jet sweeps and stuff. So this isn't like new to him. But when you mentioned Squirrel Williams, this is a guy that, man, for the past two years, everybody's been waiting for Squirrel to break out, right? Like it, it, he he showed flashes when he had his opportunities when they, when they were in rule system. And last year it was kind of like he just disappeared. How excited are you to see what Squirrel can do this season? I'm excited. I think he's he's athletic and he has the talent. He was pretty good in 2020 when he was playing a lot of minutes and then he got hurt. I think that's like one of the biggest things for him is showing that he can stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy, he'll be a contributor in this offense. You know, to me, this is so wild because we're headed into a football season for Baylor and we're not panicking about the offensive line. We're not concerned about the defensive line. When you return four starters off of a unit that was a leading candidate for the Joe Moore Award, which is given to the best offensive line in the nation. That says a lot. And not only that, but you're returning these four starters with a full offseason and a full comprehension of what's expected under the Eric Mateo system. How excited are you as a, a Baylor guy heading into the season, knowing that regardless of who wins that quarterback position, who is named the starting running back, they're going to have the the elite protection in front of them. I'm very excited about that. In my opinion, the offensive line and the defensive line, the trenches are the most important positions in football. I think that successful teams always have good trenches, and that's, good, that's what's going to drive the success 
for Baylor. Um, Dave Aranda earlier, I think earlier this week, said that it's kind of like having graduate assistants become full-time coaches, referring to how these offensive linemen are going to be seen as leaders on the field and off the field. So it's it's very exciting, and I think that Baylor's going to have a lot of success. Oh, no doubt. And I love that that metaphor by Dave Aranda. He, he's so meticulous with his thought process. He's, he's very, he reminds me of a philosopher. So when he always says stuff like that, that makes you think a little bit, it gets me excited. And man, I'm looking at this too deep on the offensive line, right? Your right tackle, you got Khalil Keith, right guard, Grant Miller, center, Jacob Gall, left guard, Mose Jeffrey, left tackle, Connor Galvin. And then the, this is the one I'm really excited about is and it's on the, the second line. Tate Williams, the big kid oh, yeah. from Wall, right tackle. Gavin Byers, we've seen what he can do. Connor Heffernan at the center. That kid is going to be special. Ryan Lingwell and MJ Ruman. I, I really like that. And then you also have George Melly that can get in the mix as well. I'm really excited about this unit. Uh, but to me, I think we're kind of over or maybe sleeping on a little bit the defensive line. You're bringing back TJ Franklin. You're bringing back Gabe Hall. Apu's coming back, but you add transfer Jackson player from Tulsa. This is a Waco kid who's wanted to be a Baylor Bear. It just unfortunately didn't work out for him when he was coming out of high school. When you look at that defensive line, that's got to get you excited, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Just as just as excited as I am about the offensive line. I think the defensive line is going to be even better than it was last year as well. And it was really good last year. The, the addition of Jackson players is going to give a boost to this defensive line. This this line runs like five deep now. Um, and Siaki Ika is going to be a big big leader on the defense. And I think Jackson player could also be a leader just because of how much of a veteran he is. Um, and like I said, the trenches are the most important positions in football. I think that because of, because of the fact that Baylor has – the great offensive line and the great defensive line, they'll be a, a contender again for the Big 12 championship and potentially for the college football playoffs. No doubt. And speaking of that, that's a great segue. When you have a tw- the type of season that Baylor had this season, your Big 12 champions, your Sugar Bowl champions, your 12 and 2. You gotta do that the next season. You gotta live up to that the next season. So we're gonna do that next here on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. back into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. I'm Garrett. He's Pernay. And we touched on it there at the end of segment two. Coach Aranda and the Baylor Bears coming into this season, they have a target on their back in conference play. And not just conference play, man. I feel like they have a target on their back nationally as well. Uh, When you're in the top five, really when you're in the top 25, everybody's coming for you. But you hit that, you break that top 10 mark. You know, you got everybody gunning for you. Are you concerned at all? looking at this season um, about Baylor, what they can do in the Big 12, uh, or you think it's going to be business as usual like it was last season? I'm not concerned. I think it will be business as usual just because Dave Aranda is that kind of coach who who drills in his players that every game matters and that you can't rest on your laurels because of the success that you had last year. Um, the only concern that I might have is the fact that a lot of the games that – might be big games are on the road this year. We play Oklahoma on the road, play Texas on the road, uh, besides Oklahoma State, which is at home. And until the last road game against 
Kansas State, the only road win Dave Aranda had was at Kansas in the Big 12. So hopefully that Kansas State win will lead into more road success this year and down the line. Um, but other than that, I'm not too concerned. I actually want to kind of point out a quote. I was watching the Josh Pate show, his 247 sports show, and he said that after the Oklahoma game, Dave Aranda said that the fact that it was such a big game and that they were coming off a loss was a big deal. And then he said that that's how they know they haven't arrived because they should be approaching every game the same way, every game at 100%. And I think because of that, the way he instills that mentality in his players, Baylor will be fine. I think so as well, too. And when you bring back so many leaders and, and upper-class leaders, I think that that mindset will transition as well. And, and to me, another thing, and you mentioned that the road slate this year is going to be something they're definitely going to have to, to overcome. And I was looking, you're going to go to Lubbock and then to Norman on back-to-back games, uh, back-to-back weeks. You know, that's not easy at all. We know how difficult it is to go into Jones Stadium. And on top of that, it's Joey McGuire. It's the first meeting, you know, between Tech and Baylor after McGuire's departure. How how do you think Aranda, does that change his mindset at all heading into that matchup? Or is it just one of those things where this is just another team? He might know us a little bit, but he doesn't know all the wrinkles that we're looking at this season. I think that it doesn't change the way he approaches the game at all. Um, I think that he's going to approach every game the same way and lead his players into battle the same way every week. Obviously, Joey McGuire knows a lot more about Baylor football and the schemes and stuff than other coaches might. But I think that Dave Aranda is, will be confident enough that the team will be able to play well on the field and execute, even if the other team does know what they're going to do. Um, so I think that's going to be that's going to be fine for them. And then another road game, actually, is the BYU game. That's going to be tough as well. So along with the Big 12 games, that's there's going to be a lot of tough road games. You know, and that's one that those guys are going to have to adjust to. Obviously, in that, you know, that's another storyline, right? You have Jeff Grimes and, and Eric Mateos going back to Provo for the first time, uh, you know, since coming to Baylor. So, you know, that's a lot of pressure as well. Um, but, you know, we were talking in the previous segment about the quarterback situation and the battle um, between Gary Bohannon and Blake Shapin. And to me, that's a very good problem to have if you're Baylor, especially when you look across the, the landscape of the Big 12, right? Like Oklahoma has Dylan Gabriel coming in. Uh, you lost Spencer Rattler to the transfer portal. You lost Casey Williams to the transfer portal. When you look at Texas... We don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. Obviously, Quinn Ewers coming over from Ohio State is more than likely going to work his way into the starting lineup at some point this season, but we don't know when that's going to be. Uh, so you don't really know what you're getting there. Tex has turnovers, uh, and, and we don't really necessarily – their quarterback situation, you're learning a new scheme. You're learning a new system. How do you adapt to that? So when I look, I think it's a great problem to have knowing that you essentially have two starting quarterbacks on your roster if you're Baylor, when some of these schools are just – in TCU, you know, they're going through a turnover as well, and they have a quarterback battle between Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. But that's got to be a good feeling knowing that I have essentially two starters on my team that I could turn to. Absolutely. That's a great point. I completely agree. Um, the fact that Jerry Bohannon and Blake Shapin are both very good quarterbacks and they have experience last year, we're going to be fine regardless of who wins that QB battle. And God forbid, if an injury happens, the, the team will be confident in their backup coming in and 
keeping the keeping the team going, keeping them afloat. So that's 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 very true, especially because a lot of other teams don't have that same consistency at the quarterback position. So what do you think would be justified as a good follow-up season? And what I mean by that is we're looking at wins and losses. We're looking at you were just in a New Year Six Bowl. What are you going to do this season? Because, I mean, like you said, you're going to Provo. You're going to Ames. You know, you're, you're going to Morgantown and Tech and Norman. You've got to win those games on the road, and it's going to be difficult. What In your mind, what does a, a good record look like this season for Coach Aranda and, and the Bears? And do you need to follow that up with the New Year Six? If you're outside of a New Year Six and you get in a bowl game, is that cool? What what are your what what's the the bottom for you heading into next season if you're a Baylor football? I think that anything short of making another appearance in the Big Twelve Championship game would be a disappointment. Because when you have all these guys coming back, especially in the trenches, and then you have consist- consistency at quarterback, after coming off a Big Twelve championship and a sugar bowl win. These guys are coming back because they want to do something great. I'm sure they have on their minds that they want to go to the college football playoffs. And obviously that's very difficult. But if that's the goal, then I think that you have to at least make the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, man. And look, I think this is also one of those those times where you're making the trends. While Texas and Oklahoma are still Big 12 foes right now, you're in we're in transition mode and if you're Baylor you're Oklahoma State you know you definitely need to come back and have strong seasons again this year to prove to everybody not just yourself that it's it's bigger than Texas and Oklahoma right like it's not going to be that big of a difference when they leave or not to me if you're Baylor and you're Oklahoma State you you want to meet each other again in the Big 12 championship in my opinion yeah, I agree with that. I think another Baylor Oklahoma State Big Twelve Championship would be best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's right now what you've got to you've got to have because you don't want to come into this season and Texas or Oklahoma get in or both of them, heaven forbid, get in. I think that's a bad look uh, right now. So I think that's something also that it's kind of being messaged to to the the guys, you know, and, and it probably doesn't even have to be, you know, it's it's a pride yeah. thing, you know, what you're gonna do. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm excited. Uh, obviously, they're going to be uh, Baylor and them are going to be back on the field today um, for practice this evening. I'm going to head over there and get some video, and you can catch that at underscore Garrett Ross on Twitter. Pernay, uh, tell everybody where you can be found on Twitter and what are some of the things that you're working on right now. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is at Curry. I'll be tweeting stuff about Baylor football sometimes about general college football and basketball at the NFL. Um, and I'm still working on those two articles about Corey Huff and Trey Emery. So those will be those will be up soon, and the videos will also be up. Um, there will also be some basketball stuff up soon. So looking forward to it. And I'm, I've designated you as our YouTube guru. So where can people <laughs> find our YouTube channel if they're interested? Our YouTube channel is Bears Illustrated on on YouTube. Um, there's a few videos up right now, and there will be more in the future. We're going to start putting up more content. It, it's gonna it's gonna be cool. Yeah, I'm excited for it, man. I, you know, and you're killing it. You're doing a hell of a job. I'm I'm glad we brought you on. Uh, I'm super excited to see where we can take Appreciate this thing. 
but you know, and, and look, we're going to have content coming to you left and right. Uh, I just put out an article on bearsillustrated.com uh, regarding Melissa Smith and another accolade, another award that she's in the mix for, but that's all the time we have for you today. Uh, be sure to check out the bearsillustrated.com. Be sure to check out Bears Illustrated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And also go check us out on YouTube at Bears Illustrated as well. For Pernay, I'm Garrett. So long. Thanks for listening to the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.